Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Listen, You are worthy of the honor. You are worthy of the praises. To you belong the glory. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My soul says yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, my God. Altogether lovely. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Your grace towards the children of men. My God, we thank you. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in our midst. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, my God. Oh, help us to tell of your goodness. Help us to tell of your love and your wonders, your mighty acts, my God, toward the children of men. Oh, God, we thank you. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, beloved of God, let us praise him, let us walk with him, oh, for he is worthy, he's worthy of the honor, he's worthy of the glory, he's worthy of the praises, oh, let us give him thanks, let us give him thanks for what he has done, for what he's doing, Oh, my God. Father, we give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you all together lovely. Ah, yes, Lord. You're wonderful, my God. Mmm. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your great grace, your love and kindness towards the children of men. Oh, God, we give you thanks. We thank you, oh God, for a new day, new mercies we see. Oh God, we thank you. We thank you, oh God. We thank you for all that you've done for us, my God. You gave us life. You gave us breath. You gave us strength. You gave us everything that we could ever need, oh God. Lord, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Remember all the saints, my God. Oh, those that are near and those that are far off. Father, we thank you. Remember our nation, my God, and the nations of the world. 
Lord, in these times, my God, where men and women are in a state of confinement, my God, Lord, you know why. Let your will be done. Lord, we pray for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Father, we thank you. Lord, we are looking to you that your word may go forth in the land, that your word may be spread abroad under every circumstances, to every nation, to every people. Father, we thank you. Fill us with your word. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with the knowledge of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. A pleasant good morning to you, you and you, with around here this morning. And it's so good to be back. It's a privilege, always an honor to sit with this holy nation, this royal priesthood. Yes, a kingdom of priests after the order of Melchizedek. We thank and praise God for you. This is the Master of Arts New Testament Letters program. And we are currently studying the book of Romans. This is our second lecture in the book of Romans. We thank and praise God for you. Today is Tuesday again, 21st day of April, 2020. Yeah, don't laugh. Every now and then I mess up the date. I got it right this time. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, our topic today is there is no respect of persons with God. God is not partial to any individual, nation, or people. But those that do his will, he honors. Let's bow our heads one more time in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh God, as we study together, as we learn together, to look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we said on yesterday, amen, Paul had traveled on a boat and um, uh, the Lord had visited him, telling him that they had to land on a specific island so that all might be saved. This happened. Paul had expressed a desire to go to Rome. He wanted to bring the gospel and gifts to Rome, but he had never imagined the way the journey would take place. There are times in our lives when we could never imagine the situations that we find ourselves into, like the current one. We could never imagine nor predict that we would be in such a situation. But here we are. So what we have to do is take advantage of whatever state we find ourselves in, and this is what Paul did. So Paul had expressed um, the desire to preach at Rome also. Let's get into our introduction. In St. John chapter 11, verse 48, Jesus, being discussed by a council in Jerusalem, it was said of him, if we let him alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. So it was the council's opinion that if they left Jesus, if they allowed him to continue to teach and preach in Israel, everyone would believe on him. And then the world power of that day, the Romans would come, remove them from their leadership place, and subjugate their nation. That was their opinion and decision. And they concluded that it's best one man die for the nation, prophesying the death of Jesus Christ. Paul found himself in Philippi experiencing um, a similar situation where he was brought before the magistrates and he was accused in Acts chapter 16, verse 21. He was accused of teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. So he was accused before the magistrates of teaching customs and ways which were not lawful for the Romans to receive. And then Paul and Silas were taken. Let's jump to Acts 16.37. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly uncondemned. 
being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, let them come themselves and fetch us out. So after they had accused Paul and Silas of teaching customs, which were not lawful for the Romans to receive, they beat Paul and Silas and threw them into a prison. And when they considered the thing, they decided to release Paul and Silas privately. But Paul disagreed. He said, just as how they beat us openly, they should come openly and take us out of the prison so that men and women can see that they have erred. Many times errors will be made publicly and we will want to address them privately, but not even so. It's best to address the error publicly that all may learn from it if that is your intent. In verse 38, it says, And the sergeants told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. There were some things that the magistrates did not know in making their decisions. The fact that Paul and Silas were Romans, and they had beaten them uncondemned, and now they were in fear that Rome would send soldiers into their province and remove them from their place because they had made erroneous decisions. They had beaten Romans uncondemned. Now, we jump to Acts chapter 22, verse 26. Here, Paul had gone up to Jerusalem, taken prisoner, removed from the temple, was now in the custody of a Roman centurion, and he wanted to beat Paul, and Paul mentioned that he was a Roman Citizen. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed, be careful what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. So they were warned that that impending force, that threat of force from the Romans was always there. They had the responsibility for law and order in the nations, in the world, and they would exercise it under the dominion of God. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God, and the Romans was the world power in that day. In Acts chapter 28, as Paul is now in Rome, Paul called for the elders of Rome, Acts chapter 28, verse 17. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So Paul taken captive in Jerusalem, was delivered to the Romans. They took him by boat to various cities, transferring him from place to place. He got to Alexandria, they got on a boat to Italy. The ship had a shipwreck at Melita because God had told them that they had to land on a certain island for all to be saved, and that they did. We jump back to Acts chapter 19, verse 21, where it tells us that Paul... He purposed in the spirit, after he had passed through Macedonia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he had this desire, he had this mindset to see Rome. And because he had a desire, he expressed it. And in chapter 23, it says, verse 11, The night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. So must thou be a witness also at Rome. So the Lord assured him that he would be a witness at Rome as he had borne witness in Jerusalem. And then in Romans chapter 1 verse 15 we find these words. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach a gospel to you that are at Rome also, was the mindset of Paul. For as much as I'm able, I am ready to preach a gospel to you that are at Rome also. So Paul wrote to the Romans expressing his desire to preach unto them, expressing desires to see them. He was now there, but just not under the conditions that he had so desired.
finally, in Acts chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, it says, Who in times past, speaking about God, God who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without weakness, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and with gladness. So there was a time when God allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Even Jesus came. He came unto his own. He commanded his disciples not to go in the way of the Gentiles, nor into any city of the Samaritans. They should not enter. That was in time's past. Now the time came when Jesus spoke to the disciples and told them to go into all the world and teach all nations. And here is where we are today. Our text comes from Romans chapter 2. It continues from chapter 1, where Paul began to outline the doctrine of the church, the apostles' doctrine. So in Romans chapter 2, he continues, Thou therefore art inexcusable, O man, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So Paul, in continuing his argument, is outline of the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of Christ, said it was inexcusable for one in matters where they judge another to do the same thing. He says, but we are sure. We know that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. There are some things that we see through a glass darkly. But we have to be patient in God. We have to be patient in Jesus Christ because we know not the answers. We look into the glass darkly, so we have to wait on God. Then Paul continued, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest Thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Here Paul was asking his audience to begin to think, meditate upon the words that he expressed. He said, what do you think? Do you think, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same thing? That thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Here it is. We teach and we preach and we rebuke and we exhort. But if we do the things that we preach against, we make ourselves a sinner. We make ourselves hypocritical and we condemn ourselves. He says, no. If you think that you are going to do the things that you preach against and escape the judgment of God, you're sadly mistaken. One time the writer said, I don't want after I preach to others, I myself be a cast away. So I have to make sure that whatever I do is in accordance with the word of God. Make sure that it lines up with the word of God and I practice what I preach. He says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The Lord at one point said, I gave her space to repent, and she repented not of her fornications. Here it is. One may think, after having judged others, after having spoken against others, that they would escape the judgment of God. Paul said, not so. Or do we think that because of his goodness, his long-suffering, his temperance, not understanding that that goodness, that patience of God is giving us space to repent, we ought to understand those things. He said, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasure to thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds.'" 
To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile, but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Here Paul continued to make the argument that if one hardens their heart, unrepentant, stubborn, resisting the truth, but after thy hardness and unconverted, unrepentant heart, store upon thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, and God is going to render to every single man according to his deeds. He said to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, they will receive eternal life. It is necessary that we are patient and continue to do well, seeking for the glory, the honor, and immortality. Patience is necessary. In our patience possess you our soul. And as Paul outlined the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, he was saying to the Romans, to the church, you got to be patient in well-doing. If you seek for glory and honor and immortality, you will receive it in eternal life. He says, on the other hand, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they will have indignation and wrath. It is necessary that we learn by the Spirit to mortify the deeds of the body. You see, the flesh lusted against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these two are contrary the one to the other. There are those that are contentious, don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, and they will receive indignation, the anger, and the wrath of God. He said tribulation and anguish. Extreme tribulation. Extreme anguish. It says upon every soul of man that doeth evil. Be sure your sin will find you out. Tribulation and anguish. And every soul of men that do it evil. And then he said, of the Jew first. Because to the Jew came the word first. The covenants. The promises. The law. The age of grace to the Jew first. He says, and also to the Gentile. So there is no escape because God is not concerned with your heritage, your culture, your nationality, your race and such like. To the Jew first, because you receive the message first, and also to the Gentile. But then on the other hand, he said, But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. So whereas in contrast, you have those that do evil, receiving tribulation, anguish you have those who do that which is right and upright in the sight of God will receive glory and honor and peace yes every man that worketh good and then again it's to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles because to the Jew first came the word of God the prophets in times past spake unto the fathers and in the latter days spoke to the nation of Israel by his son and then sent his disciples into the whole world and then the Bible tells us these words for there is no respect of persons with God one more time for there is no respect of persons with God there's no partiality, no preference. God treats us all the same. There is no respect of persons with God. Now, he got into that some more by saying, for as many, have, for as, many as have sinned without law, 
shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the ears of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. You can't get away with it. There is coming a day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For he is no respecter of persons. Paul wrote to the Romans, For as many as have sinned without law shall perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So what does this mean? Those who have not the knowledge of the law, but God left himself a witness in that he did good, gave rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, God allowed them to see his witness, and those who sin without the knowledge of the law shall perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. The Gentiles had not the law, but the Jews did. So to one, God had a standard where he would be judged and he would be punished without law. But the one that had the law and sinned in the law would be judged and punished by the law. And then Paul wrote these words, For not the ears of the law are just before God. It's not the fact that you heard the matter, you heard the commandments, you heard the statutes, you heard and kept the traditions. That is not what it is. It's not the hearers of the law that are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. It's not what you hear, is what you do. Faith without works is dead. You can hear all you want. But what you do is what defines you. And then Paul says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, the Gentiles did not have the law. But they did by nature things contained in the law. You see, God, the natural witness, do it not even nature itself teach you. Nature teaches us. Nature gives us examples. The word says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves. So that natural law applied in the case of the Gentiles. The Bible says, which show the work of the law in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness. God gave man, he brought man into the world in innocence, but then when he fell, he established his conscience. Your conscience will make you know where you stand. As long as you're uncondemned by your conscience, you walk in freedom. But if your conscience condemns you, then God is greater. So you must know where you stand in the Lord. The Bible says, the Gentiles, which have not the law, show by the work of the law in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, their method, the way of going about it, their thoughts, while accusing or excusing one another, your thinking will condemn you. The thoughts, the thoughts of your heart, the methodology, the method of letting you know where you stand. Then Paul says, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, there is coming a day. There's going to come a day when all the things that we have done will be brought into the light. What we have said, what we have done, how we have walked, how we have lived our lives shall be brought into the light. Then we shall have to give account for every deed done in our mortal bodies. Paul continued by saying, Behold, look, though I call a Jew and rest it in the law and make his thy boast of God, 
how you know his will and you approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. And you are confident that you yourself are a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes which ask the form of knowledge and truth in the law. He continued by saying, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, doest thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, doest thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, doest thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law do you dishonor God? Paul began to use a Socratic method to get his points across. He began to ask probing questions. First, he identifies the group to whom he was speaking. He said, look, you are called a Jew. You rest, you made your base in the law. And therein you make your boast of God and how you know his will and you approve the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. Art thou a master in Israel and know it not these things? They had gotten to the place where they had knowledge, they had understanding, and they had wisdom. Call a Jew, resting in the law, boasting in the law, boasting how much you know his will, approving the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and then expressing and are confident that thou thyself are a guide of the blind. Overly optimistic, overconfident that whatever you say is perfect, whatever you say is right, art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. So your credentials precede you. Your credentials go before you. Your credentials, your credentials, your knowledge of languages and history and culture and arts and music and all those things. You're an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge of the truth in the law. Then Paul began to ask the questions. Thou therefore which teachest another, Teachest thou not thyself? It's important to understand that we study together, we learn together, and we learn one from another. This is what Paul was saying right here. He said, don't take a dogmatic approach where I believe I know everything. Nobody can tell me anything. He says, no, 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 don't do that. Thou therefore that teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Are you not going to learn from others? You who preach, a man should not steal. Are you stealing? He began to ask the questions, the questions that would make one think, the questions that would awaken the conscience. He began to ask the probing questions to make sure we examine ourselves. For if we should examine ourselves, we should not be judged. Though that says, a man should not commit adultery. Doest thou commit adultery? You preach, you teach. You say this ought not to be done. This is adultery. Do you do it? Thou that abhorrest idols. You despise, you hate, you want to have nothing to do with statues and idols and the things that they eat and worship, wood and stone. Doest thou commit sacrilege? Doest thou dishonor the righteous things of God? He said, thou that makest thy boast of the law. You're knowledgeable. You've gone through your legal studies, your religious knowledge, your religious legal studies in the word. But then, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. You know, you understand, you are a scholar in the law, but then you don't practice what you preach. Thereby you dishonor God. Paul continued by saying, For the name of God is blasphemed, among the Gentiles through you as it is written. For circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law. 
But if there be a break, if thou be a break of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. It's important to understand that our deeds, our actions can blaspheme the name of God. And here Paul was expressing to the Jews, to the legalists, that the name of God was blasphemed among the Gentiles through their behavior. As it is written, for circumcision verily profited, yes, the covenant given to Abraham, if you keep the law. If you walk according to the precepts and the statutes, yes, there is profit in circumcision. But if thou be a break of the law, thy circumcision is made on circumcision. We must understand that Paul had also, and for the most part, a Jewish audience in Rome when he wrote this letter. And he was addressing things pertinent unto them. Yes, he was addressing things with which they were familiar. They were taught, they had knowledge of, and they knew about circumcision and the law. Then Paul continued, Therefore, if, therefore, if the people among whom you live, therefore, if the uncircumcision Keep the righteousness of the law, the letter kill it, you see, but the spirit give it life. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness, the spirit of the law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. So Paul was now saying, in contrast to you knowing the law, breaking the law, the circumcision that you have is made null and void. But that one that did not have the law, but in righteousness walks according to the spirit of the law, he's not having been a part of the covenant of circumcision, is now counted for circumcision of the heart. Then Paul continued, and shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, the natural teacher, and shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision do have transgressed the law. Here you claim that you have this and you have that and you know this and you know that. But then you break the law. Shall not uncir uncircumcision, which is by nature, naturally, when an individual is born, they are born uncircumcised. It is by nature. If it fulfills the law, it will judge you who by the letter and circumcision do as transgress the law of God. Then Paul concludes by bringing to light the fact of who a Jew is. He said, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. He is not a Jew for a show, for a performance. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, an outward show, a performance, a ritualistic, traditional appearance. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. And the fact that you receive the cuttings, the cuttings in the flesh, that is not what circumcision is about. Then he describes who a Jew is. But he's a Jew, which is one inwardly. He is a Jew from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak every time. But he's a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not despise. Circumcision, when you become a creature in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. And circumcision is that of the heart. Having a broken and a contrite heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. When you walk in the ways of God, don't seek the praises of men. It's not what happened. God did not establish that. He's a Jew, which is one inwardly. You've got to get it on the inward parts of the heart. 
where you have to understand the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of contrition. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision, that broken, that contrite heart, yes, in the spirit, not in the letter. You see, the letter kill it. The letter will put you to death. But the Spirit giveth life, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning again, thanking you for your word, thanking you for the apostles' doctrine, thanking you for the teachings, the writings, the words to live by, the words that edifies us, the words that guide us, that lamp to our feet, that light to our path, so that we are able to run this race with patience, fear, and trembling. Help us, O oh God, on our journey to do that which is right, having circumcision of the heart, that broken and that contrite heart that you don't despise. My God, teach us and help us to avoid the outward show in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Peter, in writing to those that were scattered abroad, wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. He said, receiving the end of your faith, receiving the trophy at the end of the race, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So the salvations of your souls is received at the end of the race. Receiving the end of your fate. Receiving that which you hope for. Receiving that you believe. Even the salvation of your souls. He said, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Prophets inquired, they asked, they searched, they did it diligently. They prophesied of the grace, the unmerited favor of God that should come unto you. They were searching what? Oh, what manner of time? The Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. We live in a time where we are searching what? Or what manner of time the word of God and the revelation do it signify when it testified certain things. Here Peter stated, the prophets were searching what? Or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Beloved, it is the cross before the crown. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. We have to gird our loins so that we are able to endure suffering as good soldiers. Then Peter stated, unto whom it was revealed. Revelation. They got the revelation unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, not unto the prophets, but unto us, they did minister the things they served, they testified, they handed out the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So Peter answered the question, telling us that it was revealed unto the prophets, that the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow was not for their age, nor was it for their generation, but unto the generation of Jesus Christ, the one in which Peter, James, John, and the rest of them lived. Not unto themselves, but unto us, Peter wrote, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you, the events, the occurrences, Reported by them which have preached a gospel unto you, the good news of the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his life, his teachings, his death, and his resurrection. It was preached about. 
with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. But wait a minute. Just as the prophets desired to look into and to know about the things that they prophesied, angels at this time. Which things? Angels desire to look into. Angels are looking into the things that we are experiencing, that we are going through. Angels also want to understand. Bible tells us, I believe in, uh, what is it now? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 or thereabouts. Now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. He says, now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. This is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. It says to the intent. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Let's start with verse 9 so that we get the fullness of it. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent, God's intention, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church and manifold wisdom of God. Angels desire to look into the things that we are currently experiencing. May God bless you. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank and praise God for you. There's one mediator between God and men, and it's the man Christ Jesus. There is one advocate with the Father, and it's Jesus Christ the righteous. So I'm going to step away from here, that you may boldly approach the throne of grace, and you'll find help in a time of trouble, as there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and it's a man, Christ Jesus. Have a wonderful day.
Amen. 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 God bless you. Come on home. Won't you? Won't you please? Please come home.